Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we look back at Chris Jones' contract extension press conference with Andy Reid and Brett Veach. Also, in our Chiefs Wire roundtable, Mitch Carney and Talon Graff play a special game of start, bench, or cut featuring legendary Chiefs players and today's stars. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, the Chiefs, along with many superstars in the NFL, tweeted at the league in protest last weekend. Were you surprised by their coordinated action? Yeah, I'm not really surprised at all uh, by their by their actions. NFL players are realizing more than ever that they have a very, very powerful platform, specifically on social media. I mean, you saw it with the, the viral uh, Black Lives Matter video. And you're seeing it now when it comes to public perception about these negotiations going on between the NFL and the NFL Players Association. Right now, they're talking about health and safety, and fans are um, very agreeable with that, and they tend to side with the players when it comes to health and safety issues. I think that things might get a little bit more tricky when the issues of financials regarding the 2020 NFL season and beyond come up publicly. Fans, as I said, are typically sympathetic with issues related to player health and public safety, but when it comes to arguments between millionaires and billionaires, specifically talking about the salary cap and how that's going to play out in the future and putting salary into escrow, I mean, these are people who are potentially struggling to stay employed during the pandemic. They're not going to be interested in hearing these arguments. And uh, really, whichever side comes across as most genuine in, in that type of conversation it is really going to get the favor of the fans. We'll just see how it all plays out. I, I think it's going to be interesting. There's some owners uh, who believe that financials need to be agreed upon before going into training camp here. Some players feel that way as well. But then there are others who are like, yeah, we'll figure out the financial stuff as we go. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch that kind of play out over the next couple of weeks. The NFL and NFL Players Association have agreed on a new safety regulation for training camp. Are you optimistic that these plans will work? For the Kansas City Chiefs, I am very confident that the health and safety guidelines for training camp will be superb. The head athletic trainer, Rick Burkholder, and the rest of his athletic training staff in Kansas City have top-notch reputations within the league uh, and around the athletic training community. The Chiefs were one of the first teams to submit and receive approval on their infectious disease emergency response plan. That just shows you the type of preparation and work that they've already put into this outside of simply following the league guidelines. You know that they're committed to going above and beyond the call of duty to keep the players, the coaches, the staff, and others as safe as humanly possible during COVID-19. Andy Reid, personally, I thought he seemed pretty pumped up about the setup they have for this training camp how they'll have the players uh, divided within Arrowhead Stadium in order to maintain the social distancing guidelines. I'm pretty sure we'll get a better idea of what that all looks like in the coming weeks, but uh, I mean, he seemed really pumped up about it, so it's hard not to be excited 
just to see what that kind of looks like. It's new. It's something that we haven't really seen before. Obviously, fans are used to seeing training camp taking place at St. Joseph. It'll just be unique to see what that all looks like. What was your biggest takeaway from the Chris Jones press conference? Chris Jones staying with the Chiefs was never really in doubt. I think the uh, holdout stuff as it was related to his long-term contract desires and playing on the franchise tag was way overblown. He was painted as greedy, holding out for potentially more money than the Chiefs had offered. They were all saying, oh, they haven't offered him a contract of $20 million or more and this or that. The reality was that Chris Jones always wanted to stay in Kansas City. He wanted to be with these fans, these teammates, these coaches. And he just wanted a contract that was representative of his worth. He said after all of this that the contract is great. That it allows him to give his family luxuries that he wasn't necessarily afforded while he was growing up. But at the end of the day, what he wants is a legacy in the NFL. He wants the gold jacket. He wants multiple Super Bowl rings to bring multiple championships to Kansas City. He wants to win the Defensive Player of the Year award. Be recognized as the best defensive tackle in the game. And he always wanted to do it all in Kansas City. And I think that's that's just the key part there. This idea that he wanted to maybe go play somewhere else, somewhere that would pay him more money, that was really never on the table. He just wanted everything to happen and happen the right way in Kansas City, and ultimately it did. So I think keeping that positivity and knowing that, hey, they were going to get a deal done, because he said he always kind of had this feeling that something was going to get done, I think keeping that positivity and, and, and knowing that was going to happen kind of helped it come into existence. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, uh, we're approaching our final few undrafted free agent spotlights. Um, I think we've got two more of those that will be publishing. Uh, one one here today and one um, the, it, within the next couple of days. So uh, check those out and get to know the, the undrafted free agents. Um and and whatnot before the weight and strength work at training camp kicks off. Um, last weekend, we kind of started off with a 53-man roster projection um, for the Chiefs heading into training camp. So uh, check that out. There, I, I made a few interesting decisions there. Um, I have one undrafted free agent that I don't know that a lot of Chiefs fans know about. Uh, making the team he's on the defensive side of the ball plays on the defensive line so check that out there's a ton ton of stuff on the website about the madden nfl 21 ratings if that thing is your cup of tea we've covered extensively all the updates to the nfl's protocols and the the timeline for chiefs training camp kind of how how those two things interact and you know, as always, thank you guys so much for, for reading the website and, and listening to the podcast. We appreciate you so much, Chiefs Kingdom. Go Chiefs. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. 
Chiefs Wire podcast. We are back, and it's that time again. It's time for the Chiefs Wire roundtable. Got Mitch Carty, Talon Graf. Guys, how's it going? Oh, man. You know what? Uh, could be better, of course, with everything that's going on in the world, but you know what? Given the circumstances, I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm doing well myself. I like that. We're staying positive, even though 2020 has been a, a heck of a year so far. It feels like a heck of a decade, even though it's only been <laughs> half a year. But uh, we're fighting through it, man. We're fighting through it. Uh, the same way the uh, NFL and uh, obviously the Kansas City Chiefs are, are fighting through a way to get training camp underway. Um, so many things going on in that story. So we thought we, we, we lighten things up, and that's what the roundtable is going to be about. We're going to lighten things up just a bit as we uh, continue the, uh, the never-ending battle between Mitch and Talon in regards to uh, Chiefs history and, and just different topics that we bring up in here. So the latest game is actually brought up by Mitch, and uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a play off of the, uh, the old game of, you know, um, what was it, Mary or Mary Kiss or, or Kill, I think it was. Yeah, that's the, that's the PG way of describing it. <laughs> Right, so we're doing it with with uh, with Chiefs players past and present, and we're calling it start, bench, or cut. Okay, so I'm going to give the guys three choices to choose from in each round, and they got to let me know who they would start, bench, or cut out of the three. Uh, we're going to start off with the uh, first group. I thought we start off with some linebackers from past and present, and the linebackers we're going to go with are Derek Thomas. Justin Houston and Anthony Hitchens. Talon, you're up first. Oh man, we're uh, to me this is a lob. Uh, I think if you got to start Derek Thomas, you're going to bench Justin Houston. You got to cut Anthony Hitchens. Uh, for me, Derek Thomas is the end-all, be-all when it comes to Chiefs legends. You know, you can make the argument that it's Derek Thomas and everybody else when it, you know Patrick Mahomes. When it's all said and done, is probably going to be on the same level, if not above Derek Thomas. But as of right now, it's Derek Thomas and everybody else. So you got to start DT. You got to start number fifty-eight, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL history, definitely in Chiefs history. And Ju- Justin Houston, as good as he was, I don't think he ever reached that level of of Derek Thomas talent. Even though he did come really, really close that one year to breaking the the single season sack record, I just he j- he's just not as talented. He's not as valuable as DT. So c- him coming off the bench, I think, is a pretty good pretty good guy to have coming off the bench. And Anthony Hitchens, he's 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 been okay f- for the Chiefs. He's been okay in the box, but in space and in covering and, and going side on sideline, he's not as good as you know he could be, or or maybe the the Chiefs kingdom and the Chiefs staff hope he would be. So for me, as, as he's been valuable, but I would definitely cut Anthony Hitchens given the group that you just gave me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You no, know, Mitch, you're up, man. Just, you know, just want to pass it on to you. What do you got? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going the same as Talon. Uh, you got to go with Derek Thomas. He's a Chiefs legend, all-time great. Um, unfortunately, what happened at the end of his career, but uh, – he definitely, you know, would be the starter amongst the three. Uh, Justin Houston did have a season where he had 22 sacks, two more than Derek Thomas as a season high. But Derek Thomas just did everything. He was such a good player, you know, really just put fear in the quarterback's heart. Um, and then you put Justin Houston on the bench, who would be a really great backup, especially in his prime. And you let Anthony Hitchens go. Uh, nothing really against Anthony Hitchens. He's just not at the level that those two are. Okay, that's fair. And once again, I want to start off a little light because it's going to start picking up as we go through the rounds. Okay, guys? So just keep that in mind. This is just, a, you know, I had to give you a lob just to give you an idea 
of what type of uh, game we're going to have here, okay? I love it. All right, so here we go. Round two, how about we go to the guys that do the blocking, the offensive linemen here. And the three I have, you, I have for you this time around, Mitchell Schwartz, Will Shields, or Willie Rolfe. <laughs> and Mitch, you're up first. <laughs> oh, boy. Man, uh, I'm going to start Will Shields – not Will Shields. I'm going to start Mitchell Schwartz. I just, I'm a huge fan of Mitchell Schwartz. He never misses a play. Um, I really value his pass blocking, uh, especially as a, as a right tackle. And, uh, he's, you know, he's really one of the big parts of the offense and the reason why the Chiefs offense is so successful that it is. So I'm going to go ahead and start him. And I'll put Will Shields on the bench, even though – I think Will Shields, like, is right there with Mitchell Schwartz. I think Will Shields is one of the best offensive linemen of all time. And then I'm going to cut Rofe just because I just like Shields and Schwartz, but I just think they're just were – those are two of the best offensive linemen we've ever seen in Chiefs Kingdom. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Mitch just said, but I am going to flip Schwartz and Shields. I'm going to start Shields. I mean, when you look at Shields' career with the Chiefs, only played for the Chiefs, the only game he didn't start was his the, the the first game of his rookie year. Started literally every single game up until he retired. You got to have a guy like that on your starting lineup. He 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 was on so many good offensive lines, opened the holes for so many good running backs, and allowed so many running backs in Chiefs history to, to have successful seasons and s- successful careers. So Will Shields is my starter. Mitchell Schwartz is going to be my bench player. Uh, more recently, yeah, as Mitch pointed out, Schwartz has been. Uh, instrumental in, in everything that the Chiefs have found successful wise and obviously without him the Super Bowl just is is very unlikely and then Willie Rofe as hard as that is to do man because I, I grew up watching Willie Rofe he was such a good offensive tackle um, but only four years in the Chiefs uniform obviously arguably a better career with the Saints so for those reasons and, and given the the other two guys I got to cut Rofe. Man, I could tell that was a tough one, especially hearing Mitch as you were describing uh, everything talent. I, I could hear him just trying to hold back. I mean, this has to be the only list where an 11-time Pro Bowler gets cut. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's really tough. Yeah, that was rough. You went from a lob to like a half-court shot. Like I don't know, I don't know where that came from. That was that was a little that was a little too steep for me. <laughs> hey man, these 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 choices are gonna get very emotional as we move forward. That's the whole point of it, you know. Let's let's get you guys trying to pull teeth here. Okay, since we talked about the offensive line and all the blocking they do, how about the guys they do a ton of blocking to help them get all the yards they get? We're gonna get to the running backs. Okay, here are your choices: Priest Holmes, Damian Williams. And Marcus Allen. Talon, <laughs> Talon, you're up first. All right. Um, I'm going to start Priest, uh, just given what I saw he did with the Chiefs and, and at his prime. Boy, that's hard to beat. So I got to start Priest. And then I'm going to um, – I think just given the fact that he was such a big part of the Super Bowl and such a instrumental part of the playoffs and he stepped up in a boat, I, I'm going to bench Damian Williams. And it's so hard to do, but obviously with his career as a Raider overshadowing his career as a Chief and, you know, the, the, the one playoff win in 93, I, I'm going to bench Marcus Allen. Or, I'm sorry, cut Marcus Allen. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm actually going to agree with, agree with Talon on this one. 
Priest Holmes is one of the, you know, all-time Chiefs greats. You know, he had those four seasons there where he had like 2,000 yards from scrimmage each season. Uh, such a great player. And then Damian Williams is such a big player in the uh, offense right now where like he was the last couple seasons, you know. Such a great player in the playoffs. You know, you can say that the Chiefs probably would have never came back against the uh, against the uh, Texans if it wasn't for his play or even, you know, wouldn't even won the Super Bowl if he, you know, didn't have those big breakout plays. And then uh, I'll go ahead and cut Marcus Allen. You know, had a few good seasons with the Chiefs, but definitely just hasn't had the impact, at least to me, at least, you know, in the Chiefs uniform. Man, that's another tough one. And it's kind of like the Willie Rolfe situation. You're, you're asking to cut one of the greatest running backs in NFL history because I, of his tenure with the Chiefs. Right, I, right. That uh, we both decided to you know, keep Williams, even though a lot of people are kind of looking to move on from Williams in the next couple seasons. Yeah, that, that was a very interesting part. Like, and, you know, I was very close to putting Larry Johnson on this list. Uh, he would have been cut. Come on. <laughs> That's why I was close. And I thought about it. I was like, I want to make it a little tough for these guys. So, And I'm not going to lie. That would have been 100% emotional decision, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I completely understand. But it was, I was close. <laughs> I was this close, man. I'm telling you. But, you know what? Let's take, a, let's take a, a flip to the other side. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, you need a good safety, right? You, you always need a good safety on a football team. So here are these choices. How about Eric Berry? Juan Thornhill, Terran Matthew. What are we uh, doing with these choices? <laughs> now, Mitch, you're up first. Okay. Um, man, I'm going to start Eric Berry. Eric Berry, he was like, his story is just phenomenal in general. I know, you know, near, you know, his last season with the Chiefs was, was really rough and, you know, maybe kind of put, you know, a sour point on his career. But, man, during his prime, he was just such a playmaker, such a, you know, a big part of the defense. You know, he was making plays all over the field. You know, he came back from cancer, and he was one of the best safeties in the league. Um, so I'm going to start him. I'm going to put Tyron Matthew on my bench. Uh, you know, he's kind of like an Eric Berry 2.0 to me. He does everything. He can come up and play in a box. He can play deep. You know, he's a ball hawk also. So I got him on my bench. I give Eric Berry just a, a slight edge just because he was such a dynamic player for the Chiefs. And for a while there, he was like our only player in the secondary that really made a huge difference. And then I'll, uh, I'll cut Juan Thornhill. But, you know, in, in a couple seasons, we could be saying Thornhill is uh, one of our better safeties and he could make that jump to either the starter or the bench player. Yeah, I completely am on the same page as Mitch. Um, exact same choices. Start Barry, bench Matthew, and then uh, uh, unfortunately cut uh, Thornhill. And all the same reasons. I mean, Barry, one of the biggest emotional leaders and, and one of the biggest fan favorites in all of Chiefs Kingdom. You could you could argue that you know Derek Thomas and and was one generation, and then the next generation had Eric Barry. So you can almost say those two are on the same level. And then and, – and, and not only that, the play on the field speaks for itself. And then, yeah, Tyron Matthew is such a versatile player. And even though he's on the smaller side for, you know, an NFL safety, he's such – you know, he's such a, a dynamic playmaker. And he's, he, he seems to just know where to be in every situation. And then, yeah, Juan Thornhill, just his youth. I mean, we've had one year of, of uh, seeing what he can do. And even though we're, it was very impressive, you know, given those other two guys, I mean, he, he's the obvious choice to cut. 
you know, this one was a fun one also because I remember you guys just going with like the tenure as a chief. Matthew and Thornhill, only one year. You know, so you basically had to just base your own opinion off of that one season and you guys say, Matthew, better season than Thornhill at the end of the day? I think so. And the fact that we actually got to see Matthew in the playoffs, you know, had Thornhill not gotten hurt, you know, who's to say, you know, that may have been a tougher decision to see how Matthew or how Thornhill would have performed. But you also got to, you know, think that Matthew allowed or not really allowed, but assisted in a lot of ways Thornhill having the the season he had in his rookie year because, you know, a lot of attention is going to be on Tyron Matthew. You're not going to be focused on a rookie safety. You're going to be focused on Matthew. So that that probably opened up a lot of things for for, for uh, Thornhill. Yeah, I, and I agree. Uh, and also similar to Eric Berry, Matthew is just like that natural born leader. I mean, it's obvious that he's the leader of the defense, or at least the leader of the secondary. Him and Frank Clark and Chris Jones are all kind of that leader of the defense. But you know, Matthew has really just stepped into that role of you know, helping these young guys grow. And he's just really been a big part of helping that defense, you know, take that next step. Okay. Okay. Like I said, these are not easy choices to make. And I have another round of, uh, of tough choices here. Now, we talked about the running backs. We talked about the safeties. We can't forget about the big, you know, the big play wide receivers, Okay. And when I say big play wide receiver, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, them catching the ball could be doing different things and just happen to be labeled as wide receivers because that just seems to what that that's kind of what happens in the NFL. It could be special teams as well. So the three guys I'm thinking of right now, Tyreek Hill, Dante Hall, and Dwayne Bowe. Mm. Talon, you're up. Mm. You had to finish with Dwayne Bow. I love me some Dwayne Bow. A lot, <laughs> a lot more than other people, I feel. Um, I'm going to go ahead and – God, but Dante Hall was good. Um, okay, I'm going to start Tyreek. Oh, this is going to be unpopular. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bench Dwayne Bow and I'm going to cut Dante. For me, Dante was so dynamic, but to me he was obviously primarily special teams. He didn't – he never really provided that much in, in in the pure passing game. I mean, they tried to find spots for him. They tried to kind of Dexter McCluster him a little bit, try to, you you know, make him a utility guy, move him around. He just never really found his role in the offense. Where he shone, shined the most was on special teams. Um, so, for you know, just the lack of versatility in Dante Hall's game. And maybe he even played in the wrong era. Maybe, you know, put Dante Hall in a chief uniform now, this may be a completely different discussion. But – you know, given when he played and, and how he performed, I, I, I mean, Tyreek Hill is so good at everything he does. And Dwayne Bowe is, you know, he, you know, he, he had such solid years and he was playing with like Matt Castle, Tyler Thigpen, Brody Crow. Like he, he didn't have Patrick Mahomes slinging him the rock and he still, you know, was one of the better receivers in the game. So I got to start Tyreek Hill, bench Dwayne Bowe, and I'll cut Dante Hall. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same order there. Uh, Tyreek Hill is a top five receiver in the NFL right now. He's such a great player. I'm really excited to see how the rest of his career plays out just so fast. You know, such a dynamic route runner. And then Dwayne Bowe as my bench player. I mean, there's three seasons where he had over 1,000 yards receiving. And just like Talon said, he was playing with Thigpen, Matt Castle, Brody Croyle, these players that – or these quarterbacks were, that were just plainly just not good. Uh, so it had been really cool to see him play with an actual – good quarterback like Patrick Mahomes 
I think he had a season or two with Alex Smith, but he was just already, you know, near the end of his career, and he just wasn't the same player that he was. And then uh, you let go of Dante Hall. He's just a special teams player, a great returner, a dynamic player, but uh, Dwayne Bowe, which is more of that better receiver. That, that one right there, guys. I, I got to be honest with you. When I did the ranking in my head in, in terms of how you guys would pick it, I thought Dante Hall would be benched and that you would cut Dwayne Bowe. Because when you talk about the big plays and the way he changed the game during his, um, his prime, Dante Hall was such a weapon in special teams. I, was that not enough? Uh, do you feel like talent, even though I, I know you talked about what Bo did as a wide receiver, but Dante Hall was such a weapon. And that's, that's so true. But the, the fact for me is that he was still going against Tyreek Hill. If you have Tyreek Hill and you're benching Dante, what's Dante doing? Tyreek's doing everything Dante does on three levels above him. So had Tyreek Hill not been in that group, it, you know, yeah, you're looking at Dante Hall a lot differently, but since you're not going to start Dante as good as he was. You're not going to start him as a kick or punt returner over Tyreek. If I got Tyreek on my team, he's doing all that stuff that Dante did. So really there's no, I, I hate to say it, but there's, there's just no place for Dante if Tyreek's on your team already. So once again, now, Mitch, you were talking, you agreed with Talon completely. You said Dante Hall needs to be cut. And I'm, I'm just, mind you, I'm just bringing these uh, numbers up just to uh, mess with you guys' heads in regards to why you, <laughs> how you decide to cut him. <laughs> Two-time Pro Bowler, you know, 2002-2003. First-team All-Pro in 2003. Second-team All-Pro 2002. First-team so, NFL All-Decade team, punt returner. Yeah, as a punt returner. But if we're talking about <laughs> I got to go with Tyreek Hill and Dwayne Bowe. Now, like, like kind of like Callen said, we can use uh, Tyreek Hill as a returner also, and he'd probably be just as maybe just as good. I don't know. That's kind of debatable, I guess. But Tyreek Hill, you know, his first couple of years, whenever he was during returns, he was fantastic. He made a Pro Bowl as a return. So maybe if Tyreek Hill was continuing to return, he probably would have blown Priest Holmes out of the water. Maybe. It's a possibility. But uh, if you're looking at just receivers, you got to go with Tyreek Hill and Dwayne Bowe. Just those are two of the greatest receivers in Chiefs history. And it's really just a shame in general that Dwayne Bowe didn't play with a better quarterback because who knows what, how his career would have ended out. Yeah, so true. And I do, I do just want to give a quick shout to, to Dante. You know, no disrespect to him. It's yeah. just when you look at the competition and, and one of the greatest plays, not just in a Chiefs uniform and at a Chiefs game, but like one of the greatest plays in NFL history that I've ever seen first, you know, on TV live or whatever was that punt return against Denver. You know, where he – I think that that's even kind of what sparked the name, the, the human joystick, or maybe that's what gave it notoriety or whatever. But that, I think it ended up, even ended up winning the game for the Chiefs. But that punt return by Dante Hall was, like, one of the best plays I've ever seen. So, no, no disrespect to Dante. It's just, man, <laughs> when you think about, you know, the choices you got to make, I would much rather have Dwayne Bowe and Tyreek Hill. But Dante Hall was, you know, while he was – in Kansas City, he, he made a lot of plays for us. There's no doubt about that. He definitely did. And once again, guys, I'm just here to play devil's advocate. You know, I'm just here <laughs> to mess with your heads a little bit on your decisions, okay? So it's all good. All right. So, uh, you know, it's only right that we uh, go to quarterbacks. And I feel like we should do quarterbacks not named Mahomes. Yeah, that's you know, a good I, call. Yeah, <laughs> they, it would be too easy, right? It would be just way too easy. we got to cut that guy. Um, <laughs> so here we go. Um, these are your choices. You got to choose best quarterback and think about the era and think about, you know, what they had to deal with and try to come up with your best answers as always. 
We have Trent Green, Elvis Gerback, and Alex Smith. Talon, we're starting with you. Mm. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work from, from the back up. I'm going to go ahead and cut Elvis Gerback. Um, boy, start or bench Smith or Green? Mm. Um, this, this shouldn't be this hard because I know the right answer, but it's hard for me to, 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 to still choose. But I'm going to start Alex Smith and I'll bench Trent Green. I, Trent Green, I, he, he was the Alex Smith before Alex Smith that kind of, you know, that, that not really a journeyman Smith wasn't a journeyman, but that, you know, he was supposed to be something for another, for another organization. I know Trent played for, for the Redskins or, you know, or, or, you know, whatever they're, soon to be called and then you know he played for the Rams and he tore his ACL which opened the door for Kurt Warner everybody knows that story and then he shows to Kansas City and all of a sudden yeah he kind of starts to live up to that potential that everybody expected him to have in St. Louis well so Trent Green to me he was he was a big-time quarterback a big-time playmaker but when you look at the offense around him you know you think god how, how is he not better than what he was and he had successful years you know but you look at the offensive line in front of him he had priest holmes he had tony richardson he had tony gonzalez you know the receivers you know, nothing right home about eddie kinnison johnny morton you know guys like that so for those reasons you know i'm gonna go ahead and bench trent green and i'll start alex because alex you know we talked about it a, a show or two ago how important he really has been or was or however you want to put it to the chief organization and turning the, the ship around and really making us true contenders and, and really changing the culture. So, and I will always be, be uh, grateful to Alex Smith to what he did for the chiefs. Uh, so I'm going to start Alex, I'll bench Trent and I'll cut Elvis Gerbeck. Yeah, I'm going to uh, agree with Talon. Um, I'm going to go with Alex Smith as a starter. I think a lot of people, like uh, look past him because as a quarterback, he, you know, he was losing in the playoffs in Kansas city and, you know, we got really tired of, you know, making it to their first or second round and just losing. But people need to remember that we went two and 14 the year before we got him and Andy Reid. So I think this going from the worst team in the league to a playoff team was such a big step. And you've got to give a lot of credit to Alex Smith for, you know, being the quarterback during that time and really turning the franchise around. And then I got uh, Trent Green on the bench, uh, a great quarterback. You know, he was the first quarterback I really seen play for Kansas City. Uh, had a great team, had a good team around him. You know, kind of like Alex Smith, just was never really able to get the job done. But uh, I got him on my bench. Still a good quarterback. Still one of the probably one of the top quarterbacks in Kansas City Chiefs history. And then easy cut in Elvis Gerbach. Just, just not really even a question. <laughs> Yeah, Gerback wasn't even the best best quarterback on the team during his era. Like, like how is Rich Gannon yeah. not starting above Elvis Gerback? It was a bad era in general. <laughs> <laughs> I, do have, I do have a quick question. So, take Elvis off and put Joe Montana in. You know, old Joe, Joe Montana, you know, <laughs> of his career. Where would he on this now for you? Boy, I, 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 I would probably make Joe my backup, and then I'd have to cut Trent just because of what Joe did. I mean, you got a legend and a veteran like Joe, that's a pretty good backup, <laughs> you know? I mean, Trent, you know, he, he's probably more of an emotional guy, emotional, you know, fond memories of that early 2000s offense and, and how good they were. So if, if he threw Joe Montana in there instead of Elvis, yeah, I'd probably switch that around and bench Joe, start Alex, and then cut Trent. 
I would do the same. I was just curious if that would change anything for you. Yeah, for sure. Now, I have to be the only one to defend Elvis Gerback here, it seems like. Uh, you guys just buried him. I mean, geez. Uh, the guy did, like, let, let's, let's remember here. He did, um, he was a pro bowler with the Chiefs in 2000. I think that kind of gets ignored. And he also uh, has the all-time record for passing yards in a single game for the Chiefs. Okay, so but the year he made the Pro Bowl, he went seven and eight. So like I'm just, yeah. So I'm just gonna say seven and eight, not good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, come on. I, the the fact that I don't know I, that year where Elvis got hurt and you know Rich Gannon helped us get to the playoffs, and all of a sudden Elvis is healthy and he's back in the starting lineup, and we get beat. And Rich Gannon goes on to be a super uh, a league MVP, takes the Raiders to a Super Bowl. That could have been the Chiefs. Like that, I I will never not be bitter, and I will never not be upset that Rich Gannon was benched for Elvis Gerback. That to me has was one of the biggest mistakes that any coach has ever made. I'm gonna that's have a, to. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. I agree. Uh, but Mitch, go ahead. <laughs> I just said I'm gonna have to agree with Talent on that. <laughs> all right. Well, like I said, it gets controversial now. <laughs> the final one. All right. This this one. It, 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 I wanted to make it different okay i didn't want to just make it a real position now mind you two of these guys play the same position but the third person is uh it's on the offense as well and he plays a position that's often overlooked but he's also a chiefs legend okay so this is the grand finale right here this is the main event i want you guys to really dig deep for this one here are the three we have tony gonzalez travis kelsey or Tony Richardson. <laughs> Mitch, you're up first. Oh, let me think for just a second here. <sighs> so I think I'm going to start Travis Kelsey. Uh, I just really value Travis Kelsey's, you know, uh, route running and his, you know, his passing game, what he brings to the passing game. Nothing against Tony Gonzalez because I know Tony Gonzalez kind of like led the way for, you know, receiving tight ends, you know, being a big part of, you know, being being a part of the receiving game. But I think Travis Kelsey is just such a dynamic playmaker. Like, he really runs routes like he's a wide receiver, especially whenever he was, like, a couple of years younger. He really looked like a wide receiver. He was catching bubble screens and taking at 80 yards against the Broncos for a touchdown. And then I'm going to bench Tony Gonzalez, one of the greatest tight ends of all time, uh, arguably the best tight end in Kansas City history, even though I think Travis Kelsey – Travis Kelsey just surpassed him with the Super Bowl win. Uh, one of the greatest players of all time, uh, Tony Gonzalez. Um, and then I'm going to put, I'm going to cut Tony Richardson. Um, good player, good Chiefs player, but uh, I think Tony Gonzalez and uh, Travis Kelsey are just in another league over Tony Richardson. Mm, boy, uh, yeah, this one's tough. This one's really, really tough. Um, before I make my decision, I just kind of want to. Talk out loud and think out loud. Hopefully, you guys don't mind. But you know, when you when you look at Tony and the offense he played with, yes, he played with Trent Green, who was a a solid tier two or three quarterback. But you look at the weapons around him: a, a, an unbelievable running game with the offensive line of Priest Holmes and Blaylock, and and you know the the third guy on this list, Tony Richardson. Without Richardson, that running game is you know, I mean, it's still really good because you got to look at the offensive line. But Tony Richardson was so good for the Chiefs and what he did. Oh boy, this is hard. I'm um, 
Oh boy. Um, I am going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to have to agree with Mitch. I'm going to, I'm going to start Travis. I'll go ahead and bench Tony Gonzalez and, and, and cut Tony Richardson. Cause I mean, if, if we're looking at today's NFL, the fullback is ever is all but obsolete. You know, we still, you know, the chiefs still carry Anthony Sherman who provides, you know, luckily for the chiefs and luckily for Sherman, he's, he's athletic enough to, to, to provide something in the passing game. You know, we, you know, the chiefs drop screenplays for Sherman and, and, and he, you know, he still makes plays and, and when we need him to, he can give the tough yards or he can, be the lead blocker and and all that stuff Tony Richardson in the era he played bar none the best fullback of his era like he was unbelievable I just don't know if you know if he would be successful in today's NFL so I'm gonna have to cut Tony Richardson even though T Rich is is so beloved and I he's he's one of my biggest I I love Tony Richardson so much so this is I'm not gonna lie to you Ed I'm a little upset about this one He's uh, I I love me some T Rich, but unfortunately, I'm gonna have to bench him, given what Travis Kelsey, uh, athletically, and he's such an underrated blocker, even within Chiefs Kingdom, I believe. I think there's a lot of Chiefs fans that really even don't see him as the true like run blocker and and, and everything that everything that he encompasses. Every everybody sees like his swagger and his edge and his mentality and, and obviously the pass catching ability and the playmaking ability and all that stuff. But he's such a good blocker. So I'm I, you have to start Travis Kelsey. And then Tony Gonzalez, yeah, I mean he's he's a legend. He was he was the Travis Kelsey before Travis Kelsey even, you know, was in college. So you got to give the you know you got to give the bench spot to to Gonzalez because he's just so legendary and so good at what he did. <sighs> so yeah, uh, this is this is probably the toughest one. Uh, start Travis, bench Tony Gonzalez, and and uh, it, it still kills me to say, it, but but cut Tony Richardson. You want to know the, the fun thing about this is that whenever I do interviews with people that are big Chiefs fans, the last question I always ask them is if you have to pick a tight end. Who is it going to be? Is it Travis Kelsey or Tony Gonzalez? And I feel like it's such a, a heart-wrenching type of question by their reaction. It's like they feel like they're not loyal to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, by making that choice. And then I knew this would make it a little tougher throwing a guy like Tony Richardson in it. Ten years with the Chiefs. He's a part of the uh, Hall of Fame for the Chiefs. NFL 2000s All-Decade team. He's blocked for so many thousand-yard rushers like, you know, it's tough to just overlook him, especially when it's a position that is overlooked, you know, as a whole in the NFL. He was the last of the greats. Yes. So, I, I Talon, I, I can hear you, man. You're you going to be okay? Yeah, you know what? I might, I'm, it might be a little bit. You know, it, I, I might need some recuperation time, but, you know, I think I'll, I think I'll pull through. <laughs> but that well, was, that was tough. I'm not going to lie to you. That was tough. Like I said, man, hey, it's a it's a far cry from the uh, the first question, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah, <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> well, that was the hey. Like I said, that was the whole point. And uh, for everyone listening, if you have your thoughts, make sure you share it with us on our Facebook uh, as well as on social media. If you agree with Mitch, if you agree with Talon, because this was a tough one, I, I wanted to make sure these guys uh, were thrown off a little bit. And if you have your own suggestions, also send that our way, and it will see if we can get on the air as well. So, uh, Mitch, Talon, until next time, um, when I put you guys through another unnecessary form of pressure when it comes to Chiefs <laughs> legends. <laughs> All right, man. Looking forward to it. All right. <laughs> Take care, guys. Uh, you too, man.
Uh, just want to welcome everyone to this Zoom call. We're certainly excited uh, to formally announce uh, our contract extension with the CEO of SAC Nation, Chris Jones. Uh, you know, over the last few years, Chris has really proven to be uh, an elite player at his position and really one of the best defense players in the National Football League. With that being said, uh, Chris is uh, equally as talented off the field. Um, you know, our fans love him. Our community loves him. And again, just can't say how excited and thrilled we are to continue his career here. And uh, for how much he's accomplished already, we certainly feel he's just scratching the surface with his age and, and, and his talents. Uh, we're certainly expecting more great things to come. Uh, before I turn it over to Coach, I, I do want to thank once again my outstanding staff that works on the second floor, Brent Tillis, Chris Shea, for the hard work they have done. We certainly had a very busy offseason, but these guys – uh, have been relentless and, and we're certainly excited, um, you know, to get a lot of the things uh, that we wanted to when we set out in the offseason done. Uh, and then the Katz brothers, Michael and Jason Katz, you know, before this process started, I had a lot of respect for these guys. But as we've gone through this process, uh, that that respect has has grown substantially just because uh, they've been patient with us throughout this whole process. Uh, they they put their trust in us and, and we trusted them. And, you know, we knew that uh, we just need a little time uh, to get this thing done because all parties were committed to keeping Chris in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform for a long time. So we're certainly appreciative for their help uh, and their understanding. Uh, with that being said, I'd like to turn it over to Coach Reed. All right. Thanks, Brent. Um, hey, congratulations to Chris Jones. Um, this is so well-deserved. Uh, he's done everything. Uh, that he's needed to do to become a top uh, defensive tackle in the National Football League. He probably could be the same thing at defensive end on the outside as he is on the inside. He just uh, He's very talented. He brings a great personality to our football team. Uh, nothing's impossible uh, in his mind, and, and that's the way he goes about it. So I've been proud of, of the commitment that he's given to the, to the organization uh, and and how he's how he's handled himself again uh, in the weight room, in the classroom, um, on the field, and then uh, in the community, it's been tremendous. My hat also goes off to to Brett and and his crew with with Brandt and Chris that they've done another phenomenal job along with the Katz brothers. I always joke the Katz brothers that really the only reason we signed Chris back was because their mom makes the best brownies you've ever had. So. Um, I'm still expecting to get those, Chris, and, and the Cats brothers. So, uh, so that that um, they've uh, they've really just done a, a great job of of working and uh, working it out together. And again, Brett and his crew, what a phenomenal job they've done this off season. None of it's possible without Clark Hunt and the commitment that he's made to uh, the the Kansas City area to us as as members of the organization and. Um, and and Mark Donovan's also a part of this, being the president of the of the organization. So, um, all in all, just it, it's great for I think it's just great for this football team. Uh, we got a lot of work ahead of us, uh, but this this is sure a great start. And uh, and, and uh, again, we appreciate Chris and and Chris heads up. He's his own man, so he heads he's headed this thing up. We losing there? Yeah, I think we lost coach there. Oh, I just said uh, when we're done here, I don't know where you lost me, but uh, um, I was lost in cyberspace for a minute. It's quite exciting. Um, I, I'll turn it over to Chris from here. 
Um, Coach Reed, uh, Red Beach, um, thank you guys for the kind words. Um, want to give a thank you to the Hunt, Hunt family and the Chiefs organization. Also, Mark Donovan, the president of the Chiefs. Um, and, uh, and the third floor, the second floor group, you know, Brent Beach, my dog, uh, Brent Tillis, um, the way he's um, structured everything, he was able to uh, make sure that not only he signed me, but signed Pat and uh, get this thing done. And I'm just so excited to uh, spend a long haul on the back end of my career with Kansas City Chiefs. You know, the organization grabbed me, they took a chance. Thanks to Ryan Nutt. I can never forget Ryan Nutt for the chance and, uh, that he took on me, a kid out of Mississippi State with um, ambitions and goals. And uh, the hard work I actually put in uh, to get here and where I'm at today. And then uh, actually thinking about sleeping on a, a two-seater couch. You know, I called, that's the first thing I actually did uh, when I signed the deal. I called my grandmother and uh, we actually talked about me sleeping on our living room couch. You know, it was two seats. It came from my living room. It was so old, so we put it in a dining room and got a new living room set, and that was my bed for my end of my junior year and my senior year of high school. I slept on that couch and we just talked and cried about it. So you actually go back and look at look at those times and reminisce and makes you really grateful for this. Um, me personally, um, I kind of had a feeling the deal was gonna get done. Ashley was a crazy story. Ashley, Pat, when Pat deal got done, as soon as this deal got done, Pat, text me um, and say, let's get this thing done. I left something on the table. Let's get this thing done. And that's when I had the security that, you know, um, that me and the chief was going to work something out. I was confident in that and uh, to make sure that they was going to get something done. Um, for me, it was, it was just about the understanding that me and Pat have uh, about creating the dynasty in Kansas City. I mean, we both have initially the same goal, um, create a dynasty, build something special especially in Kansas City with Coach Reed and all the talent we have there. And uh, we all have the same mindset. We want to keep this team together. So whatever we have to do um, initially to make sure that we ensure that we stay together and we also keep the guys around us together, then we can come together and do that. I think there's something that's a culture that you have to build. And you got to have everyone around you and everybody within the organization committed to building that. And I think that's what we're doing right now, you know starting from the owner, from the president, and we go down to the GM and the head coach and relaying that message throughout the building, not only relaying the message, but instilling the message in everyone that's in the building that we're creating something special. And once it starts to trickle down, people start to believe in, and then we can put it into fruition of making it happen. And I think that's what we're doing now. Slowly but surely, we're getting all the right pieces back, and we got 20 or 22 starters coming back, which is huge. I think everybody still had the same hunger mindset that, you know, we didn't taste it success. And I feel like we want to taste it again because one is good, but two is better. And I think everyone is headed on the right track with the right mind frame, uh, going to run in their back. Well, I appreciate it. Um, whenever you're in town, you can go to Joe's or Gates so or Q39 and it's on me. Uh, and, uh, and another thing I like to address is the emotionally phase. No, listen, just because I have a crazy emotional face on my uh, facial expression, is that I'm always out there anytime I step on the field. So once I appeared in camp, there was no, I told told my agents and beaches, no contract talks, let's just focus on football and tennis after this year. And my thing with that is about being patient. You know, 
I knew going into this year, you know, next year we could talk about contracts and uh, this phase was COVID came about and getting cat deals done. Um, cat deal was important, you you know, the patience with the debt and kind of understanding that uh, whatever happens, happens. You know, I know I'm big into my faith and I'm making sure that, you know, whatever happens, God got me covered. And, uh, for me, you know, um, I always wanted to stay with the Kansas City Chiefs. And, uh, it's not about being the highest paid player. It's not about being, uh, you know, it's about um, getting what you deserve and what you think um, can fit you. And uh, I think me and the Chiefs came to an agreement to a certain number and uh, that we both could agree to, and, uh, and we made it happen. But most importantly, being patient with the organization and understanding that no matter what, you determine your own destiny. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time. Thank you.